sense? So we got notes on the screen. You got them in your program there. Uh, let's go. Let's, let's jump in to chapter 3 of Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3, chapter 3. And we start off where the Hebrew writer, and again, we don't know who the writer is. It's unknown, the writer. They didn't identify themselves. That's fine. But it's scripture, and it's very powerful because of the timing and the moment it was set in to a group of people. Well, they were, they were Hebrew people. It's written to Hebrew people of, of that origin. And it, it starts with this. In the first couple of verses of chapter 3, it says, you know, it talks about our heavenly calling and then fixing uh, your eyes on Jesus, fixing your thoughts on Jesus. And then verse 3, it says this, has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. Who's the greater? It's Jesus. That Jesus is greater, and that's a theme you see throughout. Jesus is greater than, than angels. He's greater than anyone else, and he's even greater honor than Moses. Now, we read that, and we're going, of course, right? Jesus is better than Moses, or better, greater. Um, Moses is a pretty good guy. I'm not, nothing wrong with Moses, but he's not, he's not Jesus. Jesus is so much greater. And you, you read that as a, as, a, as a modern follower of Christ, you're going, oh, absolutely. Well, back then, that was a big deal to say that. Why? Because the Jewish religion, right? The, the Jewish faith, Moses was a big deal. Moses was the one that help lead them out of slavery and let them on this journey that we'll be looking at here in a moment into the promised land. And it, he did so much. And on the, along the lines, he, he heard from God and God came with the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. Their whole religion, their whole faith is based on those ten rules. They're, the whole Mosaic law comes out of this. It's called the Mosaic Covenant. Okay, it's a big, big deal. And so when the writer goes, hey, Jesus is greater than Moses, it, it had a lot of weight to it. A lot of weight to these people that, that really were in a place because they decided that as Jewish people, they're going, we love Moses and we love the, the Old Testament law that we have, but this greater law emerged through the Messiah called Jesus, that Jesus came not just with 10 rules that ended up being many, many rules with it, but one, and it's the law of love, and it transformed the community. His death, his resurrection, the spirit came, and it just, an outpouring took place in this movement called the church, and these, these people, these Hebrew origin people decided to say, we're going to follow someone greater than Moses, and I tell you, that caused an uproar from the very people they came from, the people that there were that their friends and their families and what are you doing? You're you're apostate, you're you're banning God even to follow this Messiah. So what we catch is is in throughout the, the writing of Hebrews, you find that the, the group of people, they're kind of weary, they're kind of tired, they're kind of maybe even discouraged. And so you see throughout the themes of it of of just the writer is saying, persevere, get through, fix your eyes on Jesus, keep going. Don't lose, as we're going to look at today, heart. Today we're going to talk about the matter of the heart. And we'll find as we're reading here how much the, the heart really matters. I don't know how you're doing, but let me ask this question. How's your heart? How's your heart this morning? Some of you are like, the old ticker? Yeah, there, there's that, right? Some of us, uh, you know, come from different 
backgrounds and history and things. And I, I know my, my, my father, you know, had a heart problem at 51, passed away. My mom had a triple bypass in her early 70s and it comp- went, had some complications and she passed away. And so there's some heart history in my, in my family. And so, you know, there's been a few times where I've felt pain in my chest. And, and so I went in to get checked out, hooked up all the EKG monitor and everything, and doctor comes back and looks at this, and he goes, you're good, you're healthy. He goes, here, here's a counselor, go see him. Because it's not, it's not the physical pain I was feeling, but it had to do with our, my emotional and, and we'll say spiritual part of life. A lot of stress, a lot of things. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've gone through that before. So today, as we talk about... The, the heart, we're really, our course, talking about the spiritual heart and the, the spiritual emotional heart of who we are. And, you know, you know, ask the question, how is your heart? And, you know, do you have a heart? That, and that's pretty mean to say that. Do you have a heart? Do, do that. You know, you have one. You check your pulse. If you didn't know, you're, you're here and you're, you're still talking. You're, you're still, eyes are open. There's, there's lights on. So you're still going here this, this morning. But the heart, you know, you could Google it or ask Alexa what the heart is. It's the, the, the organ that pumps your blood, but also it's the vital force of our driving impulse. And so when the Bible talks about the heart, it talks about it, well, 600 times that the heart is mentioned. And it's this, what is the heart? It's this, this natural or, yeah, I guess natural inclinations, this motivation, this desires that we have. And God, you think of 600 times, he must care about it a lot. Proverbs is a great verse in Proverbs 4.23. I love it in the message. It says this, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts everything else and all that we're doing everything comes back to the heart the heart tells you why you do what you do why you say what you say and why you react the way you react and how you feel the way you feel your heart is a real you it's your interest it brings your heart sometimes is full of satisfaction and fulfillment but also it's it's so deeply crushed in pain and agony man the heart is such a hard thing do you and I, that's a question this morning, do we have healthy hearts? That's really where we're going to get to. But how do you know you're, you have anything that's healthy? Well, it has to get tested. Some of you here in this room have done this. I haven't done yet, but you do a stress test to the physical heart. You get on a treadmill and you run and they hook up all the, the, the wires to you. And at the end, they test to see how healthy your heart is. The stress some of you are kind of going, I don't need to be hooked up to anything. I, life itself is one big stress test, right? You know that to be the case. But it's kind of interesting is also to test the heart is not just in the stress, but it's also in the rest. The stress we go through and everything is a part of it, but also you'll know how healthy your heart is when it's at rest. Now, physically, they do that, right? They take your ulcer and you're typically not jogging around or anything. You're just your resting heartbeat. And they found this, and I know we have physicians in the church, so if I'm getting it wrong, let me know. Uh, basically, that you test that. You can not only know your, your uh, current health, but it also tells you your future health by your heartbeat. I didn't know this according to Harvard Health Blog, okay? It, so I don't want to sure I can fact check it. But they're really saying, like, they can actually look at the rhythm of your heart and everything by the future or where, where you're at. And so too high a heartbeat, you know, that's not good. 
that's not good. Too low? Well, you're not around, okay? So there's a, a healthy place, a healthy, happy middle is your heart. And you know this to be case emotionally. When you wake up in the middle of the night and panic, or you, you um, or really low, like this in life, that's not good either. There's this place, this healthy, this happy, healthy place. The Bible talks about peace, the word shalom, right? You've heard that before, peace. It's this tranquility. It's all that's right in the world in your life. It's this uh, ecosystem that's at balance, that's there. It's, it's being holy as well as whole, wholeheartedly and living holistically together. Here, here's my thought for us this morning is this, our heart is at its best when we found true rest. Our heart is, is at our best when we, found tr- when we find true rest. Now, what, what kind of rest are we talking about? Well, that's where we get into Hebrews. That's where we get into, the writer talks about the heart here. And, and it's, he says this, it's kind of interesting, verse 6. He says this to them that are weary and they're tired in their faith. He calls them to this. He says, hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Hold firmly to this confidence this, and the hope. What's that hope? Well, the hope of heaven, the hope of eternity, the hope that's there, the hope that we hang on to for the future. And he, he really does this next. He, he kind of unpacks really like a, a spiritual EKG. And he, he does a test case on the Hebrew people. Not the people that he's writing to, but their ancestors. Say, hey, you know the story. You know the people. They know their heritage. What about them? What they did and, and really learn from what, they, what you shouldn't do. <laughs> and it has everything to do with their heart. And so as we read this this, this passage, pay attention to heart issues that are mentioned. See if you can identify. Do, do, if you've got a paper Bible, I guess you could circle them if you want as you see them go along. But just help identify them as, as we read here. So look at the next verse here, 7. It says, so as the Holy Spirit says, so he's pretty bold to say, here's what I sense the Spirit saying. Today, if you hear this voice, or sorry, hear his voice, voice of the Lord, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of the testing in the wilderness. Now the word rebellion, what's that? The rebellion. It sounds like an episode of Star Wars, right? The rebellion took place. What is the rebellion? Well, read back in Numbers 13 and 14 where the people of Israel, they've been wandering and drifting in the desert toward this promised land. They were rescued years ago, and that was great. Now they're in the desert. Now they're looking toward the promised land. And Moses sends out the spies to go and check the land out, to look back. And so they come back with good news and bad news. And the good news is this. The fruit is ginormous. The grapes are like grapefruit. Like, it's pretty amazing, the, the abundance of crops over there. Okay, what, what are we going to get? So that's good. The only problem is, is with the big fruit, there's big people. And there's giants. And this is the bummer. They already occupy the land. That's going to be a problem. And so when they report back on that, most of them, the 10 of them, didn't, you know, Joshua and Caleb were like, we should go take the, take the land. The rest of them were like, oh, I don't think we should go in there. It's not good. And the people, it says, rebelled. There's a, there's a special place called Kadesh Barnea. And at Kadesh is where they rebelled. It's called the place of rebellion. And you read is that things aren't good for that. They, they lash out ready to 
kill Moses, taking him all the way, dragging him out all these decades out into the desert, and they're also upset with God themselves. And this is what the Hebrew writer, about hearing the voice of the guy, he says this, when your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did, this is why I was angry with this generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an, uh, on an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now you read on the rest of the chapter, this, the writer almost repeats himself of a warning, don't do this, don't, what's the lesson? Well, the lesson is your heart, your your heart matters so much because if, if you don't deal with the issues of your heart, you're going to miss the promise of God. You're going to miss this promise of God. And what's the promise of God? Rest for your soul. Rest for your life. Not just the physical rest that was offered the, the promised land for the people that, which, that they couldn't enter in, but the, the true rest in your heart itself because of the issues of your heart condition. So, they wandered for 40, day, 40 years, the hot, dusty desert. They, they, they are upset. They're at this place. And I tell you, where your heart is now, just like a physically, your, your, your spiritual pulse is also will predict your future as well. If you're not dealing with it now, there's, a, there's not a great future ahead. And be watchful of your heart. Be vigilant. Be, above all else, guard. The scripture says guard your heart because our heart is it's at its best when it when it truly finds rest so he says the writer's saying hold firmly to this confidence and the hope and the way to do that is really probably three i don't know if you when you're reading that identify three areas of our heart conditions of our heart that we're going to look at and but it, but it also offers a remedy with it the first is this you're taking notes you can Right, these and the first is this a hardened heart can reopen a hardened heart can reopen you know probably what the last probably our lifetime my age at least you know 50 years or so that the cardiologists have learned that you know heart disease there's a there's a substance in there called cholesterol that you need to pay attention of some of you are like oh do you have to bring that up i just had french fries yesterday right uh but yeah, it's, it's, it's a real thing. It's, it's what clogs our arteries and hardens our arteries. And you're thinking, how do I avoid that? Well, the problem is it's your dad and your diet, okay? Your dad was the, it's your genetics as <laughs> part of that. And then a lot of it has to do with what, what you eat. I think it's the same way emotionally and spiritually. A lot of where we came from affects us, right? Where we're at today. A lot of what we do with our life affects us as well. And what we're taking in. And we're we're drinking it in, aren't we? We're drinking in the world stuff, the news. And, and literally, I still, I'm amazed at people that, the, the people that I talk to, if I ask people how much news they watch in a day, will tell me, it will tell me their outlook of life. <laughs> the more they consume of the news, the more depressed they are and the more they seem just completely off track, even God's will at times. There's, a, there's this, this, this connection. Should you stay informed? Sure. But you can do that in 30 seconds. Oh, this is what's going on. Okay, cool. 
Now I'm going to go on and do God's will for what I need to do. I'm going to be praying for whatever's going on there rather than consuming more of it. So what's happened along the lines, we've just gotten really cynical over the last few years. And it's plagued the church so badly that's missing a loss and hurting broken world that so desperately needs Jesus. Because we're still worrying about our freaking rights. Did I say freaking in church? <laughs> Sorry about that. That wasn't in the notes. They never meant that. My wife and I will have a conversation later. <laughs> you you kind of, as a pastor, you want to listen to the Lord. Sometimes you're not sure. That's always the way to go. So, uh, but you know my heart. You know my heart with that. And I think what's happened is when we develop this, it's like Grandpa used to say, the world's going hell in a handbasket. That leads us down that road. Is it? Well, yeah, it is, kind of. You know, it's, it's going to head that way eventually. But what do we do to help redeem it? What is the work that we're going to do? That's what our hearts, we've got to be concerned about our hearts. Is it getting hardened along the way? And see, the news and the world can harden it, but I don't think that's the culprit. I think the culprit that hardens our heart is actually what we experience personally. It's the hurt that's happened to us. It's happened with our folks, our family, our friends, our even fellow church people that we've been around with. We've been hurt personally by people. We allowed that hurt to enter our heart, and then we hardened up our heart. And so when people come along that want to reach out to us and care for us and an opportunity for us to do the same, we're like, never again. No way. No way. I'm going to give my heart to anybody or anything. And I'm no, especially the, no way I'm going to do that. I've been hurt too deeply. I can't do it again. And what happens along the lines, our hearts just get hardened even more. And we close up and it becomes callous. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew 13. It says this, for the people's heart have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes once or otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts in turn and I would heal them. Here's this promise. Here's this opportunity. If we just open ourselves up, Lord, will you do that work? Will you do that healing in my life? Now, here's a question to think about for you and just progress of your heart condition. Is your heart healthier than it was a year ago? Your spiritual heart, is your soul healthier than it was a year ago? And if it's not, that's okay, okay? Don't beat yourself up on it. It doesn't do anything good for you, beating yourself up. Just evaluate that. Where did I get off? Where, what happened? What hardened my heart? What made me more cynical this last year? And just look at that. Just be honest with the Lord to do that. There's just times where we've gone through chronic pain and relationship struggles and disappointments after disappointments, and we become weary and losing heart. Just admit it. Have you lost your heart for something or someone? Maybe it's marriage, your marriage. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe just pursuing Christ. There's a hardening that's happened. And so this morning, if this is speaking to you, hear the Lord say to you today, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. It's in great danger if you do. It's either in two ways. Either it's the, the pain we've gone through, like never again, I can't allow myself to do that. Or you're sitting here today going, not me. I'm fine. Well, that's pride. And so if you're saying this sermon is not about you, it's about you. It's about me too. There is some hardening that happens, and we need 
help, you know. We need the, the Lord, you know, you've heard of angioplasty opening up the, art, the arteries of the heart, you know, for the blood flow to go. May, may, Lord, will you do that? In fact, let me just express something, if it could even take it with humility, prophetically to you this morning. I felt like the Lord wants you to know. This is what I feel like the Lord's saying to you and I. I know your heart has been hurt deeply. It was, it was wrong and it wasn't your fault. I get it. I know, I know your pain. I know your abuse that you experienced. I know what betrayal feels like to those very close to me, people that have abandoned me. I know that because when I was crucified, I did that once and for all on the cross for you. So I opened a pathway for healing for you and open your heart again if you would allow me to, to come in, hear my voice and follow me toward healing today. So at the end of the time here, we're gonna pray. That might be you today. Hard heart. It's only by God's grace that he's knocking on the door of your heart saying, will you open to me? I know you've been hurt. I know you had not to pay. Will you be willing to open yourself up again? Give it a risk, give it a try. So hardened hearts is a condition, but also this is sometimes we're going, God, I don't, I, is that your voice? Are you speaking to me? I, I really don't know. And, th- and this is where another condition can develop is this, but has a remedy. A, 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 a deceived heart can find truth. A deceived heart can find truth. One, one of the, the vice that you've heard over the years, and this is just well-meaning people. This is people that they just care about you. They appreciate you. It's not that they do it in any kind of way, but they'll, they'll say this, they'll say, they'll say, um, you know, if you don't know what to do and, and, and where to go, and, and they'll try to give advice, is it, you know, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Is that good advice? <laughs> I don't know about that. Because I kind of know my heart sometimes. I know my heart. It's been hurt. It's been filled with anger. It's had resentment. It's had lust. It's had jealousy. It's had just plain selfishness. I don't know if I trust my heart. I think that's really dumb advice really because proverbs or actually jeremiah says this the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it one can the lord can he he knows our heart why he created it he created our souls. He, he knows us intricately and we're fearfully and wonderfully made and shaped before we were even born. He knew us and knows where we're at. And, and, and so that's why in, in 10 it says this in, in verse 10 of Hebrews 3. That is why I was angry with this generation. I saw their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. Now, always gone astray well what's what's he saying there it's it's not just a one-time oops it's no i screwed up that's part of it but it's this ongoing continual attitude of ourselves being led astray they're just led astray there's going wait and the, and, and the word heart here it's interesting in in the hebrew it doesn't just mean feelings when we hear heart our heart is wholly us the like the wholeness of us so that's your thoughts and your will and your feelings all together when it mentions heart. It's not just how we feel. It's what we do, what we react to, what we think. And so Israel, the, the people back then, they, were, they went wholly astray. <laughs> a, a, 
W-H-O-L. Yeah, I mean, they, they went that way. They, they, they went away. And, and, and so the Lord's coming along and saying they're, they're being led astray. And, and I think what happens for us sometimes is that we're going along and, we're, and, and we, we, we kind of play ignorant. We kind of like, oh, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. And, it's, and you really might not know, but you think ignorance is bliss. But actually, ignorance is really dangerous. Not, not knowing. And we do this different ways, and I'm sure nobody here, and I used to, I used to say when we had another service, it's always the other service problem, so well, there's only one service right now, so I would say this, the people that are not here, this is for them, is that, that you're driving along and, and you're, 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 you're just dri- minding your own business, not paying attention, and you know, you hear the, the siren, and you get pulled over, and the officer says, hey, wh- why are you driving so fast? And you, you just say, well, I didn't know the speed limit. I didn't know. I didn't know. Like, well, I mean, it's it, the, the speed limit. Is, it, it, you know, it's actually 25, and you're going 62. <laughs> Didn't you think that's a little? Did it feel fast a little bit? Right? What are we doing? We we didn't know. We technically didn't know, but you know, you know, the Holy Spirit. You know what? You know deep down within you. You know your own heart. And our own heart can be led astray, but we allow ourselves to be led astray because in our stubborn, selfish will, we want to be, and then we plead the, the fifth. We don't, or not the fifth. We plead, plead ignorance that we really don't want to know. And yeah, we don't want to incriminate ourselves, right? But we do that, don't we? And that's, that's, just, that's just denial of really what's going on. And so that's why we need God's word is a mirror in our face and a light under our path to guide us, to give us reality and to look ahead, to take our pulse and go, here's where, where, where are we really going? And where are we going together? See, why we do what we do and come together like this and why we gather in circles is this. Look at verse 13. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that you, so none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Did you catch the we part of this? That, that, that none of us are supposed to do this on our own. None of us are supposed to get our hearts right on our own. None of us are supposed to figure out our walk with Jesus on our own and by ourselves. And that is the diabolical work of the enemy. If he can isolate you, if he can separate you out. Those people hurt me and that person over here. And guess what? I can just walk with Jesus on my own. I can do what I need to do. And that's like, that is really, really dumb too. That is just, it's, none of us can do this on our own. We need the help. Why? Because of sin's deceitfulness. It's, you get tricked. You get duped. You get fooled because you start believing your own story. And yes, you can get someone along the lines to help you justify what it is and like, oh, just follow your heart, right? It's going to leave you out of God's promises that are there. And along the lines, you're going to have a challenge. And that's why we so strongly hold to authentic Christ-centered community when we come together because it says this, verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. He's saying where, where we help each other, where we find is accountability and support and encouragement. So we're helping and we're modeling to others going, no, I can do this because I have others around me who can help me in, in the process. I can learn and I can support each other. We support each other, encourage each other that way. And I just, I'm wondering if in your life, if you would evaluate a little bit in your heart going, am I, am I being led astray here? And maybe way to help with that is get some people that are honest with you in relationship and help you guide you a little bit going, man, I'm, I'm getting off. I need to get back to God and his word to do that. But here's the thing. 
doubt will settle in if we don't do it. It leads to the third condition that, that can move us away toward the promises of God and not toward what he has for us. Is this an unbelieving heart can happen, but you can trust again. So there's an issue. Is there an unbelieving heart, it can, it, but you can trust again. It really can't happen. There's a re- redeeming opportunity there. Last week, or a couple weeks ago, I was at, I saw a friend in, at Woods, and we were chatting. We hadn't seen each other for a while, and we talked about a mutual friend. And he says, have you seen such and such or heard from such and such lately? And I said, I haven't. I haven't heard. I mean, I haven't really thought of them in months, I'll be honest. And then that evening, I was at a prayer gathering, and someone else said, have you heard from that person? I'm like, two in one day. I'm going to try to text this person. And my other friend tried to text. And then I reached out to another friend who's close by that used to live near, near him. And, 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 and I, hey, have you heard? And we, yep, he had heard from him. He's alive. And it, it, it gripped me like, okay, I'm going to pray for that person and where he's out in the world. I'm glad he's breathing still. But I'm just thinking, what happened? Well, he did exactly that. He went from hardening the heart of life, just allowing it going astray, and now maybe it placed maybe in an unbelief. I don't really know where his heart's at. Like, how could it happen to him? Well, guess what? It can happen to me, too. That's the sober reminder for all of us. So that's what he says here. Listen to what he says. See, this is what it says next. Writer says, see to it, brothers and sisters. Because of all that. You can, you, your hearts can go astray. And see to it. What he's saying, there's a, he's calling out victimhood. He's calling it out. He's saying, he's saying, here's a warning, because the other one was reactionary. Don't allow your heart to be hardened. Don't be led astray. Don't let it be deceived. But then he says, see to it. Take responsibility that you are the soul keeper of your soul. Now, how do you do that? He says this, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Oh, man, the living God turns away here. It also means rebel against. It's speaking really mostly of blatant and willful disobedience. It's when you're driving down the road and you go, I don't care blankety blank what the speed limit is. I'm just going to drive what I want to drive. And I'm sure nobody, none of us have that attitude. Maybe speeding or maybe sinning. At some point we get to an unbelieving like, I don't even care anymore. I don't even matter anymore. We're all capable of, of doing that in our life, in that place of rebellion. That's where, that's where the children of Israel, the people led to. You're like, how did they do that? How could they? And God, you know, you know man on day and quail and provided and guided them supernaturally and everything provided. And then they, they end up not even believing. And they, they're looking at the promised land. They're seeing it. And like, nope, not, not, no, no, they, 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 ah. How many times we're on the brink, we're on that moment of what God's doing. We're like, no, I because of our unbelieving heart. And what are, they, what are they departed from? Not from a dead doctrine, not a set of rules and beliefs, from a person, a living God, the perfect Father that wants just, it's not about the rules, it's about the relationship, this amazing relationship. And what happens when we fall short of that, when we don't see to it, we have progressive heart failure. And at the end of the day, what's left is, no faith at all that happens. We're all capable of doing that. That's why we got to stop and correct our own heart health to do this. It's amazing how this can progress and the danger and the sadness of these ancient Hebrew people that missed out and the wonder of this promised land that's available for us.
for them. And it's for us the same as the writer says this. Don't miss it. He says in the last verse of Hebrews 3, and again, you can read kind of how you kind of, he almost re, uh, re-ups the same message because he wants the people to get it. And then he ends with this. He says, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. How sad that is. Why? Because our heart can be at its best because we can find true rest. True rest is available for us, but we have to be honest. We have to look at our hearts. This, this week in, in your growth guides, there's actually different spiritual practices. One I just want to highlight, it's called the examine prayer. And basically, it's broken down like this where it says light. And so you just take a moment and you find space in your day, in your morning or evening, and say, Lord, just bring the light. Let your light shine in me of where, where I'm at in my heart. Open heart stories, Lord. Oh, I open myself up to you, Lord. And then you thank God for who he is and his goodness. He's, he's a good surgeon. He's going to show us. He's going to reveal to you. And then he, and he'll show you. He'll reveal. Ask God, where's my heart gone astray? Where have I been deceived? Where am I leaning toward unbelieving? And then, and then respond. Lord, I, I ask for forgiveness. I, I, I recommit myself to you. I, I, I will look for ways to make changes in my, my life. And so to do that in a reflective way throughout the week, so you're, your heart, you're, you're having good heart health spiritually for doing that. Which leads to oh, another spiritual practice called Sabbath. Sabbath is an opportunity where 24-hour period. Some of you, this is a challenge in your work schedules and everything you're doing, but set aside time where if you're not able, if you get your off work, you have a day off. If you don't have a day off in your week, it's your problem, okay? It's not your boss's, okay? You need to have figure that out with them. You need to have a day off, and that means shutting emails off and shutting phones off and finding time uh, because our, our soul, our hearts are at best when it finds that true rest that's available. But here's the the trick in all of it. We can't do it all by ourselves. And the way that we're going to do is saying, Lord, I, gotta, I need to surrender my heart. I'm going to ask Chris and Josh to come up as we close here today. And I want you to take some time here because I encourage you to do the spiritual practice week. I encourage you, it's a beautiful day. Find a, find a place, you know, throughout the week. Figure out a, a time with the Lord to do this. But we're going to practice it right now in our time remaining. And I want you to think about this. Just it's kind of, I thought it was kind of fascinating. He came across a while back. Um, Dr. Uh, Bill Frisk, he's, prior to his tenure and, and he was being a, a U.S. senator, he performed, he's a thoracic heart surgeon, performed 150 heart transplants. And it's interesting, the description that, that, that he had about this is that when they grafted a new heart into, new, a heart into a new body, the surgical team, once they put it in, and you, maybe if you watch enough medical shows, you know it's that moment they put the heart in, and then they all wait. You remember that? And, then, you know, there's a waiting, and then, dun, 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 the heart, you know. You, and that's really what happens, and they, and they say it's always a wonder. It's always a mystery. We hooked everything up, we wired everything up, and then we let it go. So God, you know, it, it trusting, literally trusting the creator to get this heart going again. But I thought this was interesting. The medical community has found kind of a great wonder of the heart. That it's not just pumping blood. It's not just a new organ in the body. But the heart secretes its own brain uh, hormone. It has its own mind of its own. And the cellular memory. So when, a, when there's a transplant happens, it's not just physical, but it's metaphysical. Heart transplants not only receive a new organ, but they receive, new, they receive cellular memories of the, what the donor had. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? They, they, they have new cravings. They have new desires. They have new passions. And so they, they, they call this community 
the tribe of the transplanted. I thought that was just a beautiful picture for us. Like, the Lord's just saying, hey, I'm taking new members. I've got new membership here of the, the tribe of the transplanted. And it brought me to our own heart condition, that we're just trying to get this old ticker work and our own souls keep going. Is it possible that it's not just transformation in the heart, but maybe it's transplantation that we truly need? And where, where do we get that? Well, Ezekiel says this, and I love this. This is a promise for us. The Lord says, I will give them an undivided heart, and I'll put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them a heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Wow. Don't you want that? Don't you want not only just a renewing of the heart, which, of course, Scripture talks about, but really, truly, Lord, will you transplant your heart into mine? Here's the challenge. You have to give your heart to him first. And then he comes back and says, I want, to, I want to give you a new heart. I want to give you a new heart. And here's the beautiful thing when we have Christ's heart. We're humbled and we're grateful because of the donor. Those cellular memories that, 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 that come are supernaturally transplanted in us. So we have new sensories. Because what happens is you're, you're, you, the cravings, the passions, the desires, the habits, the, the new passions, where are they coming from? They're coming from the donor. They're coming from the heart. The heart of Jesus, that we're feeling the way he feels and we're thinking the way he thinks and we're saying and doing things that he would do because it's, it's connected. There's cellular memory. There's supernatural transplantation of his own heart in us. Don't you want that today? Don't we, don't we want, you know, we, we talk about renewal and we want to see the world be transformed, but the transformation has to start here. Renewal has to start here. Newness needs to start here. It's here right now in this moment, in this place. God wants to change your heart. Oh, he wants to give you his heart right now. An opportunity if we respond. Will you, will you bow with me? question I had up there was this. Do you want a heart swap? Are you ready to do a heart swap? Are you ready, are you ready for the Lord to do that? This is, this is the part where you go, God, here's my heart. Here's my broken heart. Here's my messed up heart. Here's my heart filled with shame and regret. Here's my heart that feels like it's been crushed and been stepped on. It's, it, I feel like it's, it's, it's not even useful any longer. And the Lord says, no, because I want to give you my heart. So we just hand it over. Man, just do that, my Lord. Just picture that. Handing over your very soul to him. Say, Lord, take it. Take it, Lord Jesus. Lord, give me, plant me, transplant your, your, your heart in me today. You might be praying simply, Lord, take my heart. Give me yours. I want to be part, Lord, of your tribe of the transplanted. I hope is it you haven't invited Christ in your life now that today that would be that moment say Jesus I need your heart here's my heart here's my sin here's here's my my wicked messed up sinful selfish heart and Lord I want yours today transplanted in it so you transform my life from the inside out Lord I pray that over those who are newly responding to Christ today but also all of us today Lord, will you do that new work? If we're expecting a world to change, it ain't going to happen. It's on its own. It is us, Lord. You change us first. You awaken us first. You do the, the, what's needed first to 
bring life for us, an awakening for us into a lost and hurting, broken world that so desperately needs you, Lord. Start with us today. Transform us. Transplant us. Your heart in us that would transform our families, our marriages, and our community around us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close here today. And I just sense that um, when we sing this song, there's this line that always gets me when we sing that I want, to, I, want to, I want to give you hope today. I want to give you hope today. And uh, if you're leaving, don't leave. Come back. Come back. You got, you, you're okay. People can wait for you. Now, if you're doing, you're, so many people are doing ministry stuff, I get that. But please stay. You, you, Lord's doing something right here. And this song, Lord, I really believe. As you sing this song, Lord, I, I don't see you working. I don't feel you working. No, I know you're working. Trust again in that. Trust in the Lord's doing that work in you. And I want to invite you to pray with us today. In fact, as the, if the song's going on, if you need prayer, you say, well, I just need that transplantation. I need some prayer today. We have a great team here. And if I could have those folks come now that are on our team, come on down. Appreciate that. We want to make an opportunity for prayer. Let's respond in this song today. Have a great day.